Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Martin Luther was born November 10, 1483, in Eisleben, Germany. He died just over 62 years later in the same city. But in the years between his birth the, the Holy Roman and his death, the Holy Roman Empire had... Let me start that sentence over again. But in the years between his birth and death, the Holy Roman Empire and the whole Western world would be turned upside down. And in those years of great change, Martin Luther was no outside observer, but rather he was an instrument of God that was the catalyst for all the change. God sent Martin Luther, a boy who grew to be a German monk in the order of St. Augustine. He sent him with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation, tribe, and language, and people. It is for everyone. And this gospel continues to set free bound consciences toward faith in Jesus Christ as the only Savior from sin and guilt. Luther himself had a very troubled conscience. His troubled conscience and a promise to a saint that he prayed would save his life led Luther to commit his life to God's service as a monk. Yet no matter how hard Martin Luther tried to please God, all he felt was God's wrath and displeasure. And this inner struggle that Luther felt actually led him to feel a deep, deep resentment towards God. Reflecting on his struggle, Luther wrote these words, Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that God was placated by, uh, to, to my satisfaction. I did not love. Yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners and secretly, if not blasphemously, blasphemously, Certainly with great murmur, I was angry with God. Thus I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience. It was not until Luther was directed to teach the scripture that his heart began to change. And eventually his heart would transform into a heart that loved God because of Jesus' love for him. He wrote regarding that change, At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words, namely these words, In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. As it is written, He who through faith is righteous shall live. 
There, I began to understand that the righteousness of God, it's a gift to be received by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which the merciful God justifies us by faith. As it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. Here, Luther writes, I felt that I was altogether born again. And I extolled my sweetest word with a love as great as the hatred with which I had before hated the word, righteousness of God. Thus, that place in Paul was for me truly the gate to paradise. Through the scripture, Luther understood the work of Jesus' death and resurrection that was applied to him in his baptism. In the word of God, Luther understood the love of God for him and God's love for the whole world. In Luther's time, God's love, as it is revealed in the gospel, had become almost completely hidden through traditions and greed that was being exhibited by the leaders in the church. And with this knowledge, Luther could not remain silent. And though he was but one man, he had to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world in need of a savior. At first, he began preaching and teaching his discoveries in Wittenberg, where he was serving as a doctor of theology. And it was not until a persuasive preacher named John Tetzel came proclaiming forgiveness of sins for a price, for the price of a piece of paper, that Luther felt compelled to take his new discovery of the gospel to the church at large. Now, if you're wondering exactly what an indulgence was or is in some places still today, here is a sample of John Tetzel's sermon selling the forgiveness of sins. Listen now. God and St. Peter calls you. Consider the salvation of your souls and those of your loved ones who are departed. Come visit the most holy cross erected before you and ever imploring you. Consider that all who are contrite and have confessed and made contribution will receive complete remission of all their sins. Listen to the voice of your dead relatives and friends beseeching you and saying to you, Pity us, pity us. We are in dire torment from which you can redeem us for just a small price. Do you not wish to? Remember that you are able to release them. For as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Indulgences, these pieces of paper, were sold by the church saying that they set people free from a place called purgatory that the Bible does not speak of. 
The church was teaching that with your money, with your money, you can do the work of Jesus. That is redeeming yourself and even others. You could bring people to heaven for mere pocket change. Luther, on the other hand, was learning the reality that the price of heaven cost more than one could ever understand. And this price, it could not be paid for by sinners. No, the price that gives us eternal salvation was paid for by the blood of God's only begotten Son. And the salvation that He earned, the church is to proclaim freely, without price, through the means of grace. This forgiveness, it cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. No, it is the free gift of God that comes through faith in Christ. Luther saw people from his parish and city running to John Tetzel and coming back with these pieces of paper. And he decided that he had to put his thoughts on indulgences to pen and paper. So Luther wrote 95 ideas, questions, and points that he wanted to debate within the church. And then, on October 31st, 1517, the day we remember this day, Martin Luther walked from his, from his office to the castle door in Wittenberg, and with a few blows of the hammer, he nailed these 95 theses to the door, the castle door. Little did he know, this simple action would change his life. More than that, it would change the world. Those hammer blows have echoed around the world from generation to generation, even to the point when we are celebrating this action here today in a place that Martin Luther never even knew would exist. With the invention of the printing press, Luther's theses were printed, distributed, read, and heard by nearly everyone in the known world. They even reached the eyes and ears of the Pope and those who were selling those indulgences. Eventually, the Pope himself put out an order that, of, that all of Luther's writings were to be burned and Luther was ordered to recant by threat of excommunication. However, when that papal bull reached Luther, he spoke these words from Psalm 21.10, saying, holding the indulgences, Because you have confounded the truth of God today, the Lord confounds you into the fire with you. And then he took the bull and threw it into the fire. In the end, the Pope followed through and excommunicated Martin Luther from the church. More than that, he ordered that Martin Luther was an outlaw and anyone who aided him, those Lutherans, 
would be excommunicated as well. There was just one thing. With the papacy's worldly power beginning to wane, it was not as it once was. He needed the support of the Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V. Charles summoned Luther to the city of Worms. Worms, if you're German. Although Luther was promised safe passage, Luther knew that this summons could very well mean his death. People that were deemed as heretics in the not-so-distant past were burned at the stake. And when Luther finally arrived, he was brought to stand before the most powerful man in the known world. And this man stood opposed to Luther and his writings. The entire council wanted Luther, for fear of his life, to say something like this. Yes, these writings are mine. I recant all of them. I deem my works as false. But instead, Luther called on the council to point out all of his errors with the scriptures. Von der Ecken, speaking for the Pope, on behalf, or speaking on behalf of the Pope and Emperor Charles V, replied, Martin, you have not sufficiently distinguished your works. Your plea to be heard from scriptures is the one always made by heretics. Martin, how can you assume that you are the only one to understand the sense of scriptures? You have no right to call into question the most holy orthodox faith instituted by Christ, the perfect law giver. I ask you, Martin, answer candidly and without horns. No offense to the horn section today. <laughs> do you or do you not repudiate your books and the errors they contain? Seeing that the time had come to hold his ground and possibly die in the process, Luther spoke. Since then, your serene majesties and your lordships seek a simple answer. I will give it in this manner, plain and unvarnished. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scripture or clear reason, for I do not trust in popes or councils alone, since it is well known that they often contradict themselves. I am bound to the scriptures that I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. God help me. Amen. The edict that followed by Charles V read, 
Luther is to be regarded as a convicted heretic. When the, ti- when the time is up, no one is to harbor him. His followers are also to be condemned. His books are to be eradicated from memory. Thanks be to God. His followers stood with Luther and Martin was saved. Moreover, his writings were saved and multiplied. I have 50 of his gathered works uh, in my office today. Fifteen hundred and some years before this event, Jesus told his disciples and the gathered crowd, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and and the violent take it by force. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he's got a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. When you stand on the word of God and abide in the truth of Jesus Christ that the word declares, what can any enemy do to you? All they can do is call you names and lash out at you with violence. But here's the thing. Even if the enemy takes your life, We believe and confess in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, all earned by the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What can the world do to you? John the Baptist was beheaded for pointing out the truth of a king's sin who would not repent. Jesus was was crucified for declaring the truth that he is the son of God who came to take away the sin of the world. If the enemies of Jesus, like the enemies of his disciple Martin Luther, would have examined the scriptures, they would have seen that the entire council of scripture points to three things. Yep, three. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus for repentance and forgiveness of sinners. And this forgiveness, it cannot be earned. This forgiveness cannot even be added added to by any satisfaction For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law only comes knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, 
the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's no distinction among any of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. That's a payment for our sin. There is nothing that you have done, there is nothing that you could do that was not paid for on the cross of Jesus. You think your sin is bigger than the Son of God's death? No, it's not. Even that thing that you're most ashamed for is covered by God's love for you. What becomes of our boasting? Is it, it is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by the law of faith. We hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And on that truth, we, the church, stand with Martin Luther. We can do no other. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds on Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen. Amen.